Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. One of my objectives in this podcast is to present the perspective of Jewish law as understood by the conservative movement and Jewish thought on issues of the day. And one of the most contentious issues in America now and over the past few decades is the issue of abortion. And I want to talk about my understanding and my perspective from the perspective of Jewish law and Jewish thought on the issue of abortion. It's never far from the front pages and it's back in the headlines again for many different reasons. But I want to make it very clear. I am not sitting in judgment of anyone, nor do I want anybody to view this podcast as an answer to the question of, is abortion in my particular situation justifiable according to Jewish law? I would say that if you really want to know how Jewish law feels about your particular situation, if you're facing this issue, you need to go talk to a rabbi directly and have a conversation about it. And I'm going to explain to you how I would go about that conversation a little bit later. I'm not suggesting either that anybody, Jewish and certainly not somebody not Jewish, should have to follow the the, uh, direction of Jewish law on this issue. This is presented as an informational presentation and one which, if you're so inclined, you might take to heart as you consider the issue as a whole. But one of my beliefs, and I'll explain this as I go along, and I think it's consistent with the role of a rabbi, certainly, and certainly in this particular situation, is that I believe the decision is a decision that must be made by the pregnant woman herself, hopefully in consultation with others if she's so inclined. But the role is for the rest of us to step back and allow an individual to make the decision which is right for them. Now I want to begin my presentation by trying to switch the the, uh, format of the discussion a bit. In American discourse, The issue of abortion comes down, seems, to an issue of rights. The right of a woman to control her own body, and on the other hand, those who say the right to the fetus to live, to go through the gestation period, the pregnancy period, and and be born and, and, and live a life. Those two rights are often in conflict with each other. So I want to look at it in a different way. Because as much as Judaism does talk about rights, it talks much more about obligation. And as you'll see as I go along, I want to focus the issue of abortion on the issue of obligation rather than the issue of rights, and you'll see why in a few moments. The classic Jewish text regarding abortion comes from the Mishnah, and it's graphic. If a woman is having difficulty giving birth, it is either permissible or mandated, it's not clear, to cut the fetus up inside of her and take it out limb by limb, piece by piece. That's the text in the Mishnah. And the reason is, the, the text continues, because her life, the life of the mother, takes precedence over the life of the fetus. Now, it's very important to note that it doesn't say the life of the mother is at stake. It says the mother is having difficulty giving birth. Now, one might presume that in the time of the Mishnah, 
difficulty giving birth was tantamount to a life-threatening situation, but that's not what it says. And that's important for how the conservative movement, and I think Jewish law in general, deals with the issue of abortion. We'll get back to it in a moment. First question is, why is, does her life take, pre take precedence? And the answer is because the woman has the chazaka, the presumed status, that's what that word means, the presumed status of being alive, while the fetus is of a lesser status. It's of a potential life. It's important to note that the Mishnah says once the birth process has begun, that cannot be done. The fetus cannot be harmed once the birth process has begun. There's a debate in later Jewish law about when the birth process begins. I'll leave that debate for another time. But the, the important issue is that as long as the birth process has not begun, the mother's life takes precedent. Why? Well, in Jewish tradition, you go back to the Torah, to the book of Exodus, where there's a strange case being discussed. If two people are fighting and there's a pregnant woman standing near the scene, and somehow in the course of the fight between these two people, the pregnant woman is injured such that a miscarriage results, the person who injures the woman and causes the miscarriage pays a financial compensation to the husband of the woman, to the woman. We'll say to the husband of the woman. A financial compensation. According to the law in the Torah, if there is a capital case, a case of murder, then it can't be compensated for financially. It has to be compensated for life for life. We'll talk about capital punishment another time. The point is that the text in the Torah says that if no other tragedy occurs other than the miscarriage, it can be handled with a financial compensation. If another tragedy occurs, which presumably is the death of the, the woman, then it is a matter of murder. So from that, the rabbis learned that the status, the legal status of the fetus is not equal to the status of the mother. And for that reason, because she has the status of being alive, her life takes precedence. Now, that leads to the statement of the conservative movement regarding abortion. The statement of the Committee of Jewish Law and Standards of the Rabbinical Assembly, which sets the parameters of Jewish law for the conservative movement. The statement is, the Rabbinical Assembly Committee on Jewish Law and Standards takes the view that an abortion is justifiable if a continuation of pregnancy might cause the mother severe physical or psychological harm or when the fetus is judged by competent medical opinion as severely defective. The second part of that phrase is something that's been added to law in recent decades because of the advances of prenatal testing and says that if a fetus is not viable or suffers is suffering from clearly profound defects, then abortion would be justifiable. But I'm interested more in the first part of the statement. The continuation of pregnancy might cause the mother severe physical or psychological harm. You notice it doesn't say if her life is at stake. It says might cause severe physical or psychological harm. Those are subjective terms. So who decides whether that might cause the severe physical or psychological harm is serious enough to justify abortion? And the answer is, in my mind, it's not the rabbi, it's the woman. 
the pregnant woman has the has the responsibility to decide whether the situation is is severe enough the threat is severe enough to justify abortion if a woman came to me and said to me rabbi would jewish tradition just jewish law justify an abortion in this case and she presents to me her concerns i don't feel that i can judge that i might be able to deduce something from her language from the way she talks about it from her body language from her but i i can't make that decision all i can do is present what the what the rabbinical assembly says and what i believe jewish law says on the issue tell her that her life takes precedence but she has to be the one to determine whether the situation is risky enough and the threat is serious enough to justify abortion. I can't make any other decision for her. I can promise to support her, promise to help her in any way that I can, and then I have to step back because I do believe I can't make that judgment. Now, how would I want the woman to think about it? Well, again, and I'm talking more in theory than in a sitting in a meeting or having you listen and think about it for your own life if this is an issue for you. But I want to present it as an issue of responsibility rather than an issue of rights. And here's my thinking on this issue. While it is true that the reason why the woman's life takes precedence over the fetus is because the woman is of a different status, has the, has the chazaka, the presumed status of being a living being while the fetus is, is a potential life. There's another issue going on here. Where does the responsibility for our well-being, or let me rephrase that, where does our responsibility as a human being lie when it comes to the idea of pikuach nefesh, of life-saving or life-enhancing decisions? It begins with our responsibility to ourselves. Remember Hillel's statement, if I am not if, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? Im anili mili from Perkei Avot. While it's true Hillel follows that quickly by saying, if I'm only for myself, what kind of person am I? The first statement is, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? And the truth is, and some people find this to be a little bit uh, disconcerting, that from the perspective of Jewish tradition, our first responsibility is to our own life, to protecting our own life. Let me propose to you a situation. I'm walking along a riverbank. I can't swim. I have no ability to swim. And there's a person drowning in the middle of the river. According to Jewish law, I'm not allowed to go and save that person because it's putting myself in grave danger. If I can swim, there's no question about it. If I sort of can swim, I think there's still no question about it. But if you can't swim, there's obviously no question about it that you do not go in to save that person at the risk of yourself. And there are many other stories and narratives that I could explain with this. But the bottom line is the first responsibility is to our own welfare. But does that mean the woman does not have an obligation to this potential life growing within her? I don't think that says that at all does have a responsibility. Think about for the fact, let's say that a, a woman has no intention of, of, of uh, aborting the pregnancy, of terminating the pregnancy. 
but she decides during the course of her pregnancy that she's going to drink or smoke or whatever it might be that might be dangerous to the fetus, that would be completely against Jewish law because she not only has a responsibility for her own life, but she has the obligation for the life of the fetus. It's just that the obligation to her own life comes first. And adding to the fact that the fetus is not viewed on the same status of, of, uh, of her life changes the equation even more. But it doesn't change it completely. The woman still has an obligation to the fetus if it can be fulfilled without damaging her own obligation to herself. And then we get back in to that question of understanding the words might and severe from the rabbinical assembly's position. I can't present the answer to the woman. She has to be the one who decides whether she can fulfill her obligation to her own life sufficiently that she can then uh, extend the obligation and the responsibility to bring to, to the potential life within her. It's a factor. It's a factor in the decision. And the reason it's a factor in the decision, and I want now to go back to another rabbinic idea that I love. There are many rabbinic texts which talk about the idyllic life for a fetus in, in the womb, and I use the word life in quotation marks. The, the, maybe to, to avoid confusion, let me go back and say the, the idyllic situation, condition, of the fetus in the womb. The fetus learns the entire Torah from beginning to end. I'm going to talk about that in another context at another time. The fetus sees from one end of the world to the other and understands all the secrets of the universe. And no time of existence of any kind is as pleasurable and as idyllic as that, say the rabbis. Of course, it's fantasy. Of course, it's it's myth. Of course, it's uh, some kind of a of of a. Um, uh, it, it's not based upon fact at all. It's based upon some kind of of fant fantasy. We understand that, and the rabbis understood that. So why do they say it? They say it because I think they want to counterbalance this idea that the fetus does is does not have the status of a human life. No, it doesn't but it's not a mere collection of cells in Jewish law. Now, it might be at the very beginning of the gestation period. That's, again, another issue. But certainly at some point early in the pregnancy, according to Jewish law and, and thought, while it, does, it isn't a human life, it has some of the qualities that we consider to be part of human life and certainly needs to be treated as more than just a collection of cells. And for that reason, it isn't enough only to focus on the woman's obligation to herself, which is primary, but also entering into it is the fact that this is not just a matter of a piece of the woman's body, but is a potential life. And that, I think, is the counterbalance, again, to this idea that we focus only on the woman's health. Yes, primarily we do. There's no question. And primarily, that should be the first issue, from my perspective, that a woman should face. But it's not the only perspective. That other issue of the potential life has to, and the obligation, secondary though it may be, that the woman has to this uh, potential life has to enter into the situation as well. 
So what I've done is said, it's not a matter of rights. It's a matter of an obligation. An obligation for the woman to take care of herself and ensure her life, not question. But that there does exist an obligation of one sort or another to the life growing with the potential life growing within her, and that should be factored into the discussion. Bottom line, it is a responsibility of the pregnant woman to make the decision. And hopefully, what I've said today puts it in the context of some of the questions that a person might ask, some of the things a person might consider, while understanding completely that it is not my place to judge, it's only my place to talk about, in this case, what Judaism says about the wonder and the miracle of life and of potential life. If you have thoughts on this, I'd love to hear them. You can email me, you can, uh, uh, you can write to me on my Facebook page, you can write to me through my website at robdoberson.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thank you.